Hello, friends, and welcome to the What If Project. It is great to have you here. It's another early morning here at the Seabird House, um, 6 o'clock a.m. right now. i got to be at work at 9, sitting down with a humongous cup of coffee in front of me. Um, Lots and lots of coffee today, as is true with most days, uh, not going to lie. Yeah, so I was up late last night trying to get some papers done, um, school. This semester is wrapping up all of my coursework for this class, which is the last class of the degree, is due uh, November 30th. And I have still three more books to read with three reflection papers to write and then a rather large um, theology paper on the book of Mark that's also due. Uh, so definitely some, some hurdles to clear for that. Um, I mentioned last week, handed in my dissertation for the last round of edits, so that is being read um, probably as we speak, maybe not at 6 a.m., but it's uh, being read um, in this time period, I guess you could say. Um, it's in the stages of being um, reread, uh, so that's exciting stuff. Um, yeah, and other than that, I mean, things are good. Um, heard the other day that my uh, school... Right, where I went to school, where I go to school now, the campus um, in Nyack, New York, is being um, shut down. So I go to Alliance Theological Seminary, which is the uh, seminary of Nyack College. Nyack College is in Rockland County, New York, um, just off of the Hudson River. And uh, they also have a campus in Manhattan. And they just announced that they're closing the Rockland campus and moving all classes to Manhattan. Um, which, for certain reasons, is understandable, um, but it's very uh, sad for me, and I think for a lot of other people as well. You know, I mean, I went to that campus for college, for my undergrad. Um, I went there for my master's degree, so four years for college, three for my master's. I've been there three years for the doctoral program, and uh, that's like 10 years, a little bit more probably than 10 years of my life. Uh, which is like a third of my life, which is a lot, you know, and uh, just a lot has happened to me on that campus, a lot of things I've experienced, a lot of things I've learned, a lot of growing that I've done, um, just a whole lot of stuff, so I don't know, just a whole lot of emotions, it feels almost like a death, and that makes me kind of angry, but yet kind of sad at the same time, so it's a real mix of different feelings uh, this week for sure, um, but anyway, all of that to say, uh, this is episode Episode number 12 of the What If Project podcast, and uh, I'm calling it Stop With the Crazy Talk, Jesus. So in Mark 8, Jesus said something interesting, um, a lot of things interesting, but he had just got done telling the disciples that he was going to die, which understandably, you know, shook them up a little bit and also made them kind of mad because Peter, remember, had just verbalized for the very first time his thought that Jesus was the Messiah. And then right on the like coattails of that declaration, Jesus says that he's going to be killed by his enemies. Right? The Messiah killed uh, by his enemies. Uh, Mark tells us that, that Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Why? Because Messiahs don't die, right? And if they do die, they certainly don't die at the hands of their enemies. And so Peter, who just said that he thinks Jesus is the Messiah, pulls Jesus aside 
to tell him to stop with the crazy talk, right? Like, dude, I just gave you my support. I like literally just said a few minutes ago that you are the Messiah, the one we've all been waiting for. And now you come out of left field with this dying stuff, right? Knock it off. Now, show of hands, who thinks that rebuking Jesus is a bad idea, right? So Jesus looks at Peter square in the eye and says, get behind me, Satan. Satan, right? Really, Jesus? I just gave you my support. I'm like your chief of staff, and now you're calling me Satan. Now, let's pause for a second. I think this is a really good reminder for us. Because Peter, you see, was rebuking Jesus. Why? Because the things that Jesus was doing, the things that Jesus was saying, didn't really line up with what Peter's tradition had handed him. According to Jewish teaching, the Messiah was going to raise up an army that would overthrow Israel's enemies and put Israel back on top of the world. He would be the next victor, right? the next warlord, the next mighty warrior. Tradition said that the Messiah would come and do amazing things, put Israel back on top again, and be the one to usher the great kingdom of God in. And so when Jesus started talking about being killed by the empire, as opposed to overthrowing it, Peter like began to twitch a little bit, you know? You're wrong, Jesus, right? You're not doing it right. This is not what the prophets foretold. This is not what the rabbis have been teaching. Uh, This is, quite frankly, not what we've been waiting for. And so Peter is very confused and really mad. And all of that makes me wonder, how many times do we do the same thing to Jesus today? Like, what if our tradition is wrong or doesn't really have it right concerning things about, like, for instance, hell or LGBTQ inclusion, right? Like, lots of churches preach week in and week out that people are going to hell for not believing in Jesus, right? Like, I just had this uh, conversation online. I made this huge mistake of going to... Um, there was like a sponsored ad on my Facebook page that a church in our area paid for um, so that it would pop up on people's walls. And it's a, it's a, it's a fairly large mega church, um, not, not in North Carolina, but, but near here. And they're doing a series about the afterlife. And there was this post about hell. And all these people are like really excited about hell. And they're talking about hell and how people are going to go there and they're going to burn for eternity and it's eternal conscious torment and all this different kind of stuff. And I just went in there and, and said, you know, what if maybe that's not the best way to understand it? And like people are like freaking out. Um, I woke up this morning and there was this long comment from this guy, like really long comment, um, you know, just about um, all this crazy stuff. I can't even get into it. But yeah, right? Like churches preach this stuff week in and week out. And week in and week out, the LGBTQ community, right, is made to feel punished for their lifestyle. But like, what if our traditions don't have it quite right? And what if our traditions have been misreading the scriptures? What if our own teachers have been misapplying those scriptures? Like, what if we're wrong? Right? Like, what if there is no hell? at least in the sense that we typically understand it. Like, what if there is a hell, but it's not that kind of hell? Like, what if judgment doesn't equal eternal damnation and conscious torment? 
And what if the LGBTQ community is not only welcomed and affirmed by God, but belongs at God's table as much as anyone else? Like, what if, just as Peter's teachers had it wrong, and just as Peter had it wrong, what if our teachers, and what if we don't have it exactly right either? Like, I imagine that if Jesus showed up in some of our churches this week and talked like that, <laughs> some well-meaning disciples and his chiefs of staff, his, his mini Peters, would pull him aside and rebuke him. Jesus, that's not what you're supposed to say. And I imagine he'd have something really interesting to say in response, right? So let's continue with the story, uh, assuming you're going to continue listening to this. Uh, so Jesus calls the crowd to himself, begins to speak to them, and refers to himself as the Son of Man. Now, you might remember back like a month or so ago in an earlier post, we said that uh, the term Son of Man was a term that most Jews would have been familiar with as it was a character from the Old Testament book of Daniel. So the Son of Man, said Daniel, was a representative of God's people who would suffer at the hands of Israel's enemies and be vindicated as God set up his eternal kingdom through him. And so by taking the, the term Son of Man upon himself, Jesus was letting everyone know around him uh, that this was how he understood his calling and his purpose and his mission. Uh, I am to suffer and to be vindicated, and I am to usher in God's kingdom. So Jesus then ends his talk with the crowd with an interesting promise. He says, I tell you the truth, some of you who are standing here today will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. So the kingdom of God is going to come with power before you die. Now, on first glance, it seems like that's a failed promise, right? I mean, hello, we're still living on this messed up, crazy earth. I mean, wars are raging around us. Every time we turn on the news, there's a new development of a new nightmare from a new country with some new insane leader, right? There's still drugs, addiction, hatred, bigotry, murder, rape, shootings, right? Jesus made this promise like 2,000 years ago, and all the people who were standing there on that day are long dead. And so at first glance, it seems like, eh, Jesus, your promise didn't really pan out. But, but here's the thing. The coming of God's kingdom with power, according to Jesus, and his talk about the Son of Man, has nothing to do with God destroying this world that he made and loves and creating a whole different one. Rather, it has everything to do with the radical defeat of deep-rooted evil. According to Jesus and the Son of Man persona from Daniel 7, God's kingdom would come with power after an episode of extreme suffering and vindication. The crucifixion was the suffering. The resurrection was the vindication. You see, and the moment that the stone rolled away from the tomb, death, the wages of sin, right? Paul said uh, that the wages of sin is death. So the moment that the stone rolled away from the tomb, death, the wages of sin was defeated. Right? The penalty of sin was defeated. A slit was torn in the curtain that separates heaven from earth so that heaven began to trickle in. And one day, when the Son of Man returns, he will bring all of heaven with him. He will merge it with all of earth so that the two become one and suffering is eliminated forever. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Um, this is what the prophets have foretold. 
And as ambassadors of that good news, you and I have the responsibility to pull the curtain back further and further and further each and every day. With each and every move we make, each and every word we speak. See, as followers of Jesus, that's our job. Our job isn't to tell people that they're going to go to hell for not believing the right things. Our job isn't to convert people to our religion, to make them believe things the way that we believe them. Our job isn't to shame people who believe or think differently. Our job, rather, is to make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to model the life of Jesus to the world around us, to invite people to live in a similar way in their own context, and then to lock arms as we all go out we leak heaven out of our lives and into the lives of those around us. My prayer for you today, my prayer for myself, may we be so full of heaven today that when someone bumps into us, heaven actually spills over, lights up their life, and squelches out the darkness that is haunting them. Um, As we've said a few times in this podcast, there's that phrase, You might be the only Bible that someone reads. You might be the only Jesus that someone meets, right? They might never go to church. They might never open up their Bible. They might never listen to a podcast. They might never even sit down and have a conversation with somebody about God and faith and spirituality. They might just be completely shut down to the whole darn thing. But they know you. And you have the opportunity to be Jesus to them. Um, I just finished a book for school um, by a guy named John Pavlovitz called A Bigger Table. He says that the best way, the best way to, quote, evangelize to somebody, to share your faith with somebody, isn't to sit down and argue with them, not to debate with them, not to share with them a thousand different verses and try to tell them why you're right and they're wrong. The best way is to let them know that you believe in Jesus and then don't be a jerk, (laughs) right? That's it. Let them see in the flesh what it looks like to follow Jesus and let the Spirit of God do His own work. That's episode number 12. Stop with the crazy talk, Jesus. Have a fantastic week, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for stopping by the What If Project podcast today. It was great to have you here. And I really just appreciate your your support. And hey, if this encouraged you at all, if it challenged you, if it pushed you, uh, challenged you in your perspective and how you understand the Bible, I would just ask that you head over to your podcast uh, listening platform of choice, whether that be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever it is that you're listening to this now, and uh, leave some feedback, leave a rating. Um, Those ratings definitely help because it helps uh, bump the podcast up a little bit in iTunes. um, And it gives people also a little bit of a kind of a look as to what to expect when they read what other people are saying about it. So if you could do that for me, that would be fantastic. Also head over to the Facebook page and um, you can go to Facebook, type in What If Project, the page will pop up. Give it a like, feel free to join in whatever kind of discussion may be going on there. And also keep an eye out. Uh, for the upcoming online small group. Right now, we're in the middle of one for Mark. Uh, There will be coming another one later on, probably very early in the new year. So if you'd like to sign up for that, um, all of the things will be 
up, pointing you in the right direction, and it would be great to see you there. So again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.